0: Oh!
2: Finding a way to lose a game you controlled for the better part of three quarters. That's what you got to see firsthand inside the Caesars Superdome yesterday. As the Saints found a way to choke away a game that they had in the bag to the Cincinnati Bengals. They kept messing around and messing around, and they did just enough. A perfect chain of events. Offense goes three and out. Punter shanks the punt. Gives a short field. And you left the door just wide enough open for Joey B and Jamar. And then the awful miss tackling that has plagued this team all season long. A team that was supposed to be led by its defense. Roby misses the tackle. Tyron Matthew looks absolutely washed right now. Couldn't make a play. And Jamar... Turns around on the touchdown for 60 yards. Turns around and goes, did y'all really let me get this wide open? Did y'all really not tackle me? (laughs) Yeah, Jamar, they sure did. Woof. (laughs) Woof for the Saints. Good morning. Welcome to a wooftastic edition. I'm (laughs) checking Welcome to a Monday edition of RP3 and Company. I'm your host, Raymond Parts III, joined inside the game studios by the producer extraordinaire, Miss Hannah Five Names. We've got a great show lined up for you today. We'll be talking LSU football with our friend Jeff Palermo from Tiger Rag Radio. That'll be at 7.30 this morning. At 8 o'clock, high school football. Man, we're coming down to the last... Three weeks of the regular season. Week eight has arrived. Yeah. Week eight has arrived. We're going to get Hunter Bauer's thoughts on who is emerging as legitimate contenders. What about Turling's Catholic? They've taken down Lafayette Christian Academy, Westgate, Opelousa's High, St. Charles Catholic. Yeah. They're having a really good season. Undefeated. What about a Katie and a high? They got humbled a little bit last weekend, didn't they? John Curtis. Are the wrecking Rams for real? We'll talk about that with our buddy Hunter Bauer from Go Preps at 8 o'clock. And at 8.30 for the Big Easy Blitz, we'll talk all things Saints with Canal Street Chronicles editor Tina Howell. So those are our three guests that we have lined up today for our P3 and company. Of course, we'd love to hear from you. Game hotline's always open, 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. We'll get to Major League Baseball playoffs. Astros sweep the Seattle Mariners, but really needed four games to do so because they played a game that would never end. Would never end. We'll touch on the McNeese Cowboys. Losing over the weekend. LSU's win in the swamp. And so much more. But we'll start off with the Saints. They had a great game plan. They really did. They were going to lean on their running game again. And it worked. Alvin Kamara had 99 yards rushing. They were able to utilize him. They used Taysom Hill in running situations. Mark Ingram ran angry. 200 yards rushing. More than 200 yards rushing on the ground. So, so once again, they figured out that what they can do best is run the football. And their game plan was, we're going to run the football and we're going to limit the amount of possessions that Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and Cincinnati's high-powered offense is going to have. Going to play keep away. And it worked. It worked. Here's the problem. When the Bengals had the football, their drives... Their scoring drives resulted in touchdowns. The Saints drives resulted in field goals. Will Lutz was phenomenal yesterday. He was automatic. They put the game in his hands. He said, I got this. Not an issue. Kick after kick after kick after kick. Will Lutz was automatic. They were able to run the ball effectively. They were able to get the ball in Alvin Kamara's hands. They were able to utilize Taysom Hill. But they had to settle for field goals. And Burrow and the Bengals don't need a lot of time to score. They just don't. And... The Saints were able to do this, run the football, play, keep away. And we're able to do this without their top three wide receivers. Michael Thomas still not playing. Jarvis Landry did not play. Chris Olave looked like he may play, then he was ruled out the day of, did not play. So they're having to depend on Andy Dalton throwing the football to Traquan Smith, Marquez Callaway. Some guy they lifted off the practice squad this week. And he scored on a 44-yard end-around. Undermanned, but at home, they were finding ways. But they were settling for three. And when they needed their defense to step up, It didn't. This team was supposed to be led by its defense. Its head coach is the former defensive coordinator. Why can't this team tackle? I mean, it's a legitimate question. They are awful at tackling, period. Did they forget how to tackle in the offseason? Did all of a sudden they go, hey, you know what, tackling? Yeah, we're good. We don't need to do that. I mean, it just wasn't the 60-yard touchdown from Burrow to Chase. Bradley Roby, oh, man. Tried, I guess, the best he could to tackle somebody. That 60-yard touchdown had no business being a 60-yard touchdown. If Roby actually tackles. Like, like Jamar just shrugged it off. Like, it wasn't a big deal. Like, like it was the, the weakest tackle attempt he's ever experienced in his life. Oh, get off of me. And then you expect, okay, Tyron Matthew, the honey badger, he was supposed to be a difference maker on this defense this year. He was supposed to bring leadership. He was supposed to bring playmaking ability. With the exception of the interception against the Seahawks. Has he made an impact play for this team? Do you see the Honey Badger out there playing like a veteran great player? Because I haven't seen it. I know he's a beloved player from the state of Louisiana, played at LSU, now playing for the Saints. Has he made an impact? Because while Roby missed on the tackle and Jamar was able to easily break through, Tyron could have been right there to wrap it up, right? He didn't. Just not nowhere to be found. And the missed tackling began last year. And credit Nick Underhill for this, because he tweeted this out, and I want to share it. Missed tackles have been an issue for two seasons. Saints actually averaged slightly more per game in 2021, but still about 7.5 per game in both seasons. He goes, I saw about 10 missed tackles today. They had 20 against the Bills last year. they're averaging seven and a half missed tackles a game. So when your team finally finds competency on offense without its starting three wide receivers, and during the game Adam Troutman got hurt and had to leave the game, you're starting tight end. And they find a way to move the football. With a backup quarterback in Andy Dalton. Who's limited at best. And guys like Callaway and Traquan. Traquan Smith played well yesterday. I can't believe I'm saying this. A day where Traquan Smith played well. Or as well as it can be for Traquan. They still lost the game. Selling for field goals. Instead of touchdowns. But the chain of events at the end of the ball game. Just it's third and four. Saints have the ball. Third and four. And Hendrickson beats Hurst. Hurst, who should have been called for a holding on the call, but wasn't. and hits Dalton on the arm, the former Saint, Hendrickson, hits Dalton on the arm, incomplete pass, time for a three and out, time for a punt. They don't even burn barely any time off the clock, and they, after after the Saints' defense made a play, got two back-to-back sacks on the last possession to force Cincinnati to settle for a 52-yard field goal by McPherson the offense fails to pick up a first down. Three and out. Can't protect. Incomplete pass, which stops the clock. Then you have to pump the ball away. Well, you got to feel kind of good about your defense because they got a couple of sacks and kept Joe Burrow Jamar Chase out of the end zone, the last possession. But your punter decides, hey now, this is the time to have the worst punt in my career. 29 yards, shank fest, voila! Now you got the ball at the 40-yard line of Cincinnati. They're 60 yards away from a touchdown, and really only 20 yards away from getting in field goal range for McPherson to hit the game-winning field goal. But they didn't need that game-winning field goal. No, no. Because... The defense opted to not tackle. 60-yard pass. Burrow to chase. Touchdown. Gut job. There you go. And the offense tried to move the ball down the field, and they desperately wanted a flag on the play with Callaway and Eli Apple getting tangled up. No call. Wasn't going to be a touchdown anyway. ball game snatching a defeat from the jaws of victory now they're two and four they have to do a quick turnaround by playing arizona on the road this thursday night woo what a way! What a way to lose a ball game! What a way to lose a ball game! We got to take a timeout. We'll hear from the Saints about the gut punch loss that occurred yesterday inside the Caesar Superdome. That's coming up next right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers in Houston Astros.
1: The guys here in the game dugout love baseball. It was the game that was passed down to them by their fathers. Hey, Dad? You want to have a catch? I'd like that. Not all of them had such heartwarming moments. This
3: guy threw at his own kid in a father-son game.
1: Now back to more baseball talk here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
2: All them Houston Astros. Sorry, five names. Sorry. Astros win in epic fashion against the Seattle Mariners. They were one of the few actually higher-seeded teams to do well in the Divisional Series. Dodgers with their record amount of wins, gone. Braves defending World Series champions with over 100 wins, gone. Who had Padres Phillies on their bingo card for the National League Championship Series? Raise your hand. No one. We await Yankees, Guardians to be wrapped up. But it doesn't matter because Astros will have home field advantage throughout the American League Championship Series. Of course, you can begin listening to that on Wednesday. That's right. Wednesday. Right here on the game. We'll have Game 1 and Game 2, Wednesday and Thursday. of the American League Championship Series. Actually, Game 1 will be Wednesday right here on the game. And they're going to get some nighttime games. Watch out now. I know. Astros versus the winner of the Yankees-Guardian Series. Pre-game will begin at 6.30. Then on Thursday for Game 2, it will be on our sister station news talk, first uh pregame 607 first pitch 637 so ALC action ALCS action there we go we'll be here on Delta Media as the Astros try to get to their fourth world series in 6 years what a run but let's go back to the New Orleans Saints Finding a way to lose. Phenomenal. Missing tackles. Ten of them yesterday. Averaging about seven and a half a game. Team was supposed to be led by its defense, but let's be honest. Kind of a... Not happening. Look, if you're limited on offense, you have to have your defense carry the wait defense can't carry defense is not great anymore it's just not you started seeing chinks in the armor last year love cam jordan but tyron matthew has not made an impact this season paulson Adebo has regressed for having an honest conversation they're banged up payton turner never gets on the field I just, you know, love DeMario Davis, but yeah. Would this game maybe been a little bit different? They had Marshawn Lattimore out there. Yeah, but Lattimore hasn't had a good season himself. Just don't think the defense is good enough to carry this team. I just don't. And the offense is so banged up that it's not as if they can carry the load. don't know what you're going to see out of this team the rest of the way to be perfectly honest with you dennis allen talked about what happened there at the end they had a chain of event offense three and out gave up pass protection incomplete pass shank the punt and then burrow chased 20 uh, 60 yard touchdown Essentially, ball game. Allen talked about the end of the game.
3: Well, it looked like there was a lot of contact and they weren't really playing the ball. So, those are my thoughts.
2: That was him talking about the play at the very end. The pass play from Dalton to Callaway where they thought maybe they should have gotten a flag. But this is what he had to say about, in particular, the Jamar Chase touchdown.
4: Uh
5: I'll, I'll have to go back and and look at the tape. You know, um, you
3: know the first throw uh, that Andy made was a hell of a throw for a touchdown. I'll have to go
5: back and look at the tape and see exactly what happened.
2: That's not an answer. I'm just I'm just being real. That's not an answer. And, and the, well, there seemed to be some contact. Yeah, there, there, were, there was some contact. Your wide receiver had contact with Eli Apple, too. How about the fact that your team missed tackles? How about the fact that your offense had to settle for three constantly over and over again? How about that? Oh, D.A. It feels like, started to feel like it's going to be a long season. And what's going to make it long for Saints fans is this. Had a Saints fan actually text me this yesterday. Not He's not ready to give up hope just yet. And God bless them for that. What's going to make it tough for Saints fans is that this team is just not going to crater and be awful, because if they just start being terrible, just like awful, awful, and the season's lost in the next couple weeks, right? And they're two and six or they're two and seven, and you're like, this team is dreadful. Then you could just give up, right? You'd be like, the season's season's lost. I'm done. But this team has just enough talent that they're going to mess around and keep the fans hopeful throughout the entire season as they end the season falling just short. That's what it feels like it's going to be. When I say frustrating season, that's the type of season it looks like it's going to be for the Saints. Red zone execution was not good had to settle for three over and over again, and Andy Dalton talked about the fact that they weren't able to punch it in once they got inside the 20. I think we got in a lot of third and long situations where they were able to just play coverage, and um, it was the efficiency
6: on first and second down that, that hurt us. And, um, you know, I think that's,
0: that's what it came down to is we, we had needed to be better early on, in the, um, you know, early
2: downs that uh, you know give us a chance to get down to some manageable situations despite the issues with them in the red zone and and having to settle for three instead of six, they had a chance to close out the game, right? They had a chance. They hold Cincy to the three points, the 52-yard field goal by McPherson. They have the ball. They have the lead. Time to milk clock. Time to pick up a first down. And you know what the Saints did? Nah, bro, We good. Let's go three and outs. And Dalton talked about that. It is frustrating. I mean, we got to take pride in uh, being at our best
6: in those moments. And, you know, we, we we weren't today. We weren't able to find a way to convert on the third down. Um, you know, on that last drive, I mean, a four-minute situation, you wouldn't love to Um, You know, drive the ball down and hold on to the ball the whole time. But, you know, we, we weren't at our best in that situation.
2: No, they weren't. And when you have an opportunity, because the Bengals this season are not great. They were two and three as well, by the way. They're struggling. A lot of that has to do with their coaching. and Joe Burrow was 300 yards touchdown after touchdown after touchdown but you you still kind of kept him in check he didn't go off for 450 yards Jamar Chase half of his yardage came on that 60 yard touchdown that you gave up at the end so you but they just don't make enough plays they just don't make enough plays to close out games, to win games. And Tyron Matthew, who I pointed out, I'm still waiting for him to make an impact. Talked about the frustration behind the loss.
5: Yeah, I mean, listen, I think it hurt. Anytime you lose in this league, it hurt. Um, You know, but the last couple weeks, we've had, you know, know, double-digit leads. And, um, you know, we just got to find a way to kind of, you know, put teams away. Um, So... um, you know, but I think the most important thing is us can just continue to stick together. Uh, you know, I think we have a good group, um, so you know, I think we'll be all right in the end. But uh, just got to find a way to finish these games.
2: Are you gonna fix missed tackling by the end of the season? Because it was an issue last year, and that's carried over to this year. I I, I get the. Wanting to try to stay positive. But we're getting really, really close to just saying that this is a bad football team. Because I, as I pointed out yesterday, someone commented, and they did this, and they did this. And I go, you know who does those things? Bad football teams. Bad football teams lose games like that yesterday. There's nothing that we've seen from the Saints this season that suggests that they're a great football team. There's nothing that we've seen from the Saints that even suggests that they're a good football team. They have the potential. They have the talent to be good. We expected them to be good. But, eh. We expected them to be good, but they're not. And you can use injuries as an excuse. And yes, Steve. Yes, Steve. Steve won't even wait for me to get to the commercial break. Yes, Steve. I understand Vegas said they were a seven-win team. He's brought this up to me three times. You were right, Steve. you feel better? (laughs) Salty Steve, it is 6.30 on a Monday. (laughs) You maniac. (laughs) But no, Steve has a good point. Vegas said the Saints were a seven-win team before the season started. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. But they got to be better. There's no excuse for this team to be this way. And and, and this isn't a Jameis Winston thing either, right? He's not playing. He's not playing. This defense is what is a little concerning to me. They don't make enough plays. And they're not great anymore. They're just not. Poll question of the day. What was the biggest reason the Saints lost to the Bengals? Was it settling for field goals? Was this the hideous tackling? Was it mediocre quarterback play? Or was it all of the above? Right now, leading the vote is all of the above with 54% of the vote. 38% of you say hideous tackling and 8% say settling for field goals. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. And we'll share them throughout today's show. We got to take a timeout. When we return, we'll shift from the New Orleans Saints to the LSU Tigers. That's next right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
1: A recent survey discovered that game listeners prefer our station over watching a mandated webinar at work.
2: Well, thank you,
1: everyone, for coming to this exciting meeting today to discuss Take that, thing. productivity <laughs> in the workplace. This is the game. One oh three seven Lafayette and one oh four one Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station.
2: Poll question of the day. It's up. What was the biggest reason the Saints lost to the Bengals? Was it settling for field goals instead of getting touchdowns? Was it the hideous tackling? Well, tackling's so bad. They they just don't tackle. Was it the mediocre quarterback play? Because, let's be honest, Dalton was eh, mediocre. He's the epitome of mid or all of the above. 60% say all of the above. 33% say hideous tackling. 7% say settling for field goals. JPK, the OD, says, I'm going to go with the old tried and true reason. They scored more points than us. <laughs> John Paul Cajun Daddy says, this is now the third game the Saints lost in which a very bad call by the officials led to a continued drive that led to a score that allowed the other team to take the lead. But, but John, bad calls. like th- th- This has now become part of the DNA for Saints fans. You didn't play good enough to win the game. You didn't play good enough to win the game. You just didn't. If your defense can make a tackle, you win the game. If your punter doesn't shank the punt, you win the game. If your offense doesn't allow the left side of the line to get blown up on a third down play, and you actually pick up the first down, you win the game. Like, there has to be accountability here for Saints fans that you lost the game. You didn't do enough. Your defense didn't make tackles. Like, basic football stuff here, guys. This is is basic football stuff always blaming the refs for the fact that you're losing games is is old man. It's old. How about you how about you're better? How about you have some accountability here? And the team tackles better, and the punter punts better, and the quarterback throws the ball better, and the offensive play calling is better. How about that? You always want to make the officials the scapegoats. The officials suck. We know that. We know that. You know what hap- you know what good teams do? They overcome bad calls. It happens every single weekend. And it's happened for years. Hard on Twitter says this falls on the coaching and their poor decisions. We did an all around good job the first three quarters. They abandon using plays and players that bring them success, especially in offense. No Taysom, no Rashid. They exit game plans and what's working on a regular basis. Frustrating. Yeah, they got that they changed from the first three quarters into when they got into the fourth quarter, eh. Wasn't as good. Joe Colas says, from top to bottom, this is a bad team period. From players on the field, coaches and administration, embarrassing. Oh, and as a Turlings alum from a long time ago, go Rebs. Yeah, uh, Turlings Catholics undefeated, by the way. They're one of the best teams in the state. Lil Neff says, if Lattimore, Alave, Winston Thomas was healthy, different story. Okay. We've had Winston, Alave, Lattimore, and Thomas Healthy other games this season. They lost those games, didn't they? I, well, I, I'm going to hear a lot of it. I get it. Well, the refs are against us. Well, you know, if we were healthy. As if other teams don't have bad calls against them. As if other teams don't deal with injuries. Even with all that, you still had the chance to win the ball game. And you didn't make the plays to do so. The game was right there for you to win. Three and out. Woof. Shank putt. Punt. Woof. Missing a tackle on a 60-yard touchdown. You do your job on those three plays. Heck, two of the three, and you win the game. Let's head out to the hotline. Welcome on Doug to the show. Doug, thank you for waiting, brother. What's on your mind?
5: Uh, um, Ray, you know that that last touchdown by by Chase that was reminiscent of the um, miracle in, in Minnesota. Remember when Diggs caught that pass and there was two missed tackles and he ran in for the touchdown, knocked the Saints out of the playoffs. Oh yeah, that's what, that's what that reminded me of right there when Chase did that. It's like, man, not again! Come on. It's, it's terrible tackling is just terrible on this team and, and this syndrome going around the whole team with this Michael Thomas syndrome, I call it, you know, with, with ankles and toes and, and whatever else players staying out of work. It's just pitiful. It's a, this is bad stuff going on here with this team. They better get it right. And I think it starts with the head coach and another thing, uh, Ray, uh, Daniels with LSU, I believe he's, he's building up some confidence, Ray. The whole line giving him just enough time to, to make passes down the field. The receivers are catching the ball. He's building confidence up in this young man. This team could go on and win a few more games, Ray, I hope.
2: I agree, uh, Doug. I Ray, agree. I appreciate the fu- call, Ray. Anytime, brother. Enjoy your day. we'll get to JT Daniels and the Tigers later on in today's show. It was a good win for them. And they did a they did enough to win the ball game. You know who didn't do enough to win the ball game yesterday? This weekend, the Saints. The Saints. Once again, in spite of the injuries, in spite of everything, You still had a chance to win the game, and you didn't do it. You left the door open. I looked to my wife. We were watching the game. I looked to my wife, and she's a diehard Saints fan. And they come out, and she's all excited because they got the two sacks and held them to a field goal. And then they come, and I go, babe, I looked to her, says they need a, they need they need a couple first downs. She goes, "Okay, we got this." And when it was an incomplete pass, I could just she could just tell. I just looked at her and I said, and then it's shanking the punt and then giving up the touchdown. Like just imagine if they could just tackle. You just tackle Chase there. Maybe they still get the field goal. You're right. But then you have more time on the clock, and then maybe you can get into field goal range because your kicker was automatic yesterday, and he can kick long field goals. He can kick 60-yarders. But that never happened because you can't wrap up. Like, you saw Jamar Chase go. Did that happen? Like, did he really not tackle me? He was expecting to be tackled on the play and wasn't. Let's head back out to the hotline quickly, bring on Reynolds. Reynolds, thank you for patiently waiting, brother. What's on your mind?
7: Yeah, I saw the same game you did, and I agree 100%. But, you know, I understand what people talk about officiating. Officiating, I thought, wasn't that bad. I think they did a good job. Um, but it all comes back to basics, one-on-one football. You know, they kept, they kept burning them on the crossing routes. Adjust, move yep. up, give them less space. Uh, tackling was atrocious, uh, the thing that I, I, I don't understand is that on that last drive for the Saints, they had to get at least one first down. Why are you going to, I mean, I know you were doing a good job rushing, but at least rush, throw, throw. You put yourself behind the ball, you give yourself one chance to make the first, I, I don't understand that. You know, you're doing okay throwing the ball too, throw the damn ball. You're deep in their territory. Get out of it. Get a first down. You just need one first down. I didn't understand a lot of the calls.
2: It seemed when it got late that the play calling that had looked good, their game plan that they utilized in the first three quarters yeah. went out the window. That's what it, it got, looked like to me. It,
7: got pre, it became a prevent instead of an offensive uh, uh, team. Riddle, I, Riddle,
2: know, they were trying not to lose the game. And and, yes. and when you try not to lose a game, what happens? You lose the game. That's
7: the Saints of old. That's the Saints of old. They're 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 a bad team trying to be a good team at this point right now, and they have so many plays that are missed that could have made them look good today. Because they were, I mean, they were moving the ball. They put up a lot of yardage, but they couldn't close it out. And I told I told myself fourth quarter. Uh, they started um Joe Burrow started moving the ball I said okay you got 2 minutes left you're done you're done you not you won't be able to stop them and that's what happened
2: Exactly brother appreciate the phone call Ronald thank you bud enjoy your day my friend You have a great day We got to take a timeout We'll wrap up hour number 1 you're listening to the game right here on Southwest Louisiana Sports Station you're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros Uh, if you haven't signed up for the Games Rewards Club, you need to do so today. Go ahead. Let's make some time here on October the 17th. Put some time aside. Sign up for the clubhouse. It's free. It's easy. You simply go to 1037thegame.com or dot thegamecom You click on the Rewards Club tab. We even have a video tutorial showing you how to do it. Seriously, I was able to figure it out on the first try. If I can do it, you can do it. And once you become a member... You're going to have the opportunity to score great stuff. Station Swag, Astros tickets, LSU tickets, and so much more. Also, great gift certificates, like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse down at Cypress Bayou. We also have a $25 gift certificate to Maple's Kitchen and a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House. They're all inside the clubhouse, ready to be yours. You just have to go sign up, become a member. Join today, and you'll have the opportunity to score those great prizes. Let's check in on the poll question of the day. It's about the Saints finding a way to lose yet again. What was the biggest reason the Saints lost to the Bengals? Was it settling for field goals? Was it the hideous tackling? Was it mediocre quarterback player? Was it all of the above? Right now, as we wrap up our number one, 59% of you say all of the above. 32% say the hideous tackling. 9% of you say settling for field goals. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Keep leaving your comments on Facebook and Twitter, and we'll share them with all of you throughout the rest of today's show. That's going to do it for hour number one. Hour number two coming up, we're going to switch gears. We're going to talk a little LSU football. Big win for the Tigers down in the swamp. We'll talk a little Major League Baseball as well as the Astros punch their tickets to the ALCS. That's all coming up, hour number two, right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers in Houston Astros. Oh,
0: yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> Everything.
2: Hour number two has arrived here on RP3 and Company. We spent the majority of hour number one uh, just talking all things New Orleans Saints as they found a way to lose to the Cincinnati Bengals, a game they should have won. Now let's just let's just say what really happened. Credit the Bengals, credit Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase for making plays. They're special. We know this, but the Saints the, the, the Saints choked this one away. Yes, no Michael Thomas, no Jarvis Landry, no Chris Olave, backup quarterback Andy Dalton in. No Marshawn Lattimore. Exactly. Shouldn't have won this game. Yet they had a chance to do so. Yet they were the better team for three quarters. And yet they found a way to lose. That's what bad teams do. They lose games. They're winning every single time. Whether it was the play calling, going sideways in the fourth quarter, whether it was not picking up a first down, whether it was the shank punt, settling for field goals instead of getting touchdowns, or just the bevy of missed tackles. Once again, Nick Underhill, who covers this team day in, day out, counted 10 of them. In the missed tackling has been an issue starting last year. They're averaging seven and a half missed tackles a game. They let this one go up, get away from them. They blew it. And now they're two and four. And now they have to do a quick turnaround and get prepared for Thursday night football against Kyler Murray and the Cardinals, who they look bad. They lost to Seattle yesterday. So once again, this is another winnable game. But will the Saints actually win it? Mm, that's to be decided let's head out to the hotline welcome on james to the show who's been patiently waiting james good morning to you brother what's on your mind
6: mr rp3 i wanted to touch on the saints lsu and my mariners if i could really quick all right the saints i don't know what to say you know there's three really good football teams in the nfl there's three really bad football teams in the nfl and they're in the middle I think they can get it together. They're a good team playing like a mediocre team instead of a great team. Um, can they go 7-4 and four and end up 9-8? and eight? It's possible, but they're going to have to flip a switch. Guys are going to have to just suck it up and, and, like you said, start playing good fundamental football. It's possible. There's good bones there. I'm not giving up on my Saints. Uh, LSU, they're starting to figure out. I think they're starting to come around. If we listen to this coach, we might do something. They're starting to play like they're supposed to play. The defense isn't great, but it's been opportunistic and timely. That's what I'm really liking. And Jaden's kind of finding himself that he's going to be as good as he's going to be. He's not Joe Burrow. We can't expect that, but I'm happy with LSU. But my Mariners, that was the weekend that killed me. Um, There's no moral victories. There's no moral victories. I don't buy that. I'm not one of those fans. But I think the best team in baseball and the eventual World Series champion for this year got pushed to the brink, and I think they know it. So I'm doing a Saints uh, saying for next year. Just wait till next year on my Mariners. Just wait till next year.
2: James, appreciate the phone call. I want to comment on that real quick as well. The uh, he's right. The Saints do have enough talent. They're going to have to go seven and four, right, to get back to nine and eight to have a chance. And, And here's the thing. Tampa Bay looks awful that's the other frustrating thing if you're a Saints fan this division is extremely winnable extremely winnable no one's running away from it Tampa and Atlanta are three and three you're right there behind them just imagine if they weren't hideous tacklers and and, and James is optimistic that you know I'm not they got good bones there yeah on paper, they look like they should. But they it, we're, we're through six games. Have the Saints showed you that they're a good football team? They have talent. They have talent. Mm, yeah, But once again, they have winnable games. Thursday night, even though it's a quick turnaround, that's a winnable game because Arizona is kind of trash. The Vegas Raiders aren't very good either. So those are the next, you know, you got those coming up. You could win those. Win those, and now you're 4-4. Four and four. So, you know, James, I'll give him some credit there. LSU, we're going to get to. Jane Daniels is not Joe Burrow, but I think he's good enough to lead this team to 7-8 wins. And they, get, they had a hard-fought win, and they had to make some plays late because Florida tried to rally. But that was a touchdown, 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 touchdown game to start off with. First four possessions were all touchdowns. Bit of a bananas game in the swamp. Ended up being one. And as for the Mariners, Bob Nightingale and others we had said the biggest test for the Strohs was going to be the Mariners. That just the matchup and the way Seattle's built. It's disappointing that they lost. I know five names. My team lost over the weekend as well. But first time in the playoffs in 21 years, you won a playoff series. You won the wild card series. On the road, you got a nice young core. You can build off this and be ready to roll next year. Let's head back out to the hotline. Welcome on, Martin, to the show. Martin, good morning
4: to you. What's on your mind? Mr. Bald and beautiful one, how are we doing on this lovely Monday morning?
2: Well, Bud, I'm here. I'm talking to you. How could I not be doing well?
4: I mean, uh, I'm I'm, I'm going to break it down for you because I'm not going to build up the Saints fans' hope, man. The season's over with. I mean, stop trying to build it up, get them all excited and everything, but... That's not why I called. No, I'm it. I'm not. A, no,
2: look, I'm not. I'm not building them up. But the reality is, is that the NFC South is trash. So, it is. I so agree. I, I you, said
4: it from season's beginning. You, I said you could win eight I or mean, nine
2: games and win that division, and you're in the playoffs, Mark.
4: Yes, sir. Now, what I called to touch on is okay. Was, yes, it, was it about I've your been Cowboys been, losing baby, to the I'm Eagles? Sure.
2: Was that was that why you're called?
4: Wait, say that again?
2: You, did you call because you wanted to talk about your Cowboys losing to the Eagles?
4: Well, I mean, I can't expect that. I mean, newsflash, the Eagles are really, really good. Okay? Yeah, they are. They are. I knew they were, they were the, the cream of the crop of our division. It's was, it was going to be tough to beat that team. I mean, they, they firing on all cylinders right now, you know. And don't forget, their, their quarterback is from uh, quarterback Hugh in uh, Alabama, okay? But that's what I called in to talk about, okay? All, these, all I kept seeing is on on Facebook after Alabama lost was well, the rest of the SEC have caught up with Alabama blah 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 blah. Okay, the rest of as long as Nick Saban is head coach of the Alabama Crimson Tide, the SEC will not catch up to Alabama. Well,
2: Martin, Martin, how, how how's uh, what's your rationale there? Because last year he had uh, the first time an assistant beat him in A and M, and then they got curb stomped by Georgia in the national championship game and they look immensely vulnerable. They should have lost Martin. Martin, it, it's facts. They got punked by George in the title game.
4: Absolutely I know, punked. I, I will not deny that, but we did, don't forget we did beat Georgia early that year too.
2: Well, well, I mean, that that's the same argument that LSU could have had back in 2011. Hey, we beat you in the regular season, but when it mattered the most, they didn't. Well, fact uh, uh, the uh, matter you, is- yeah, but but Martin, I'm not, I look. Saban is the goat. I'm not debating that. But the rest of the conference has caught up in the last couple years. Sabin, look at Alabama, how they're built. I've tweeted about this over the weekend. They do things now that they typically don't do. First of all, their secondary isn't very good. It just isn't. Okay. They don't they don't have the top flight guys, the studs on the back end of the defense, and they're not as physical across the line of scrimmage. You saw that last year and you saw it again this year. Okay, and right. that's an issue. Because other teams have been able to figure it out. Georgia's a more physical team. Tennessee's doing a nice job with Josh Heupel. Other teams have closed the gap, brother. They have. I mean,
4: that's not denying that. You can't deny that. Now, another question I have is where the heck has Will Anderson been all season long? I mean. He's been a no-show. I mean. He's been a no-show. I mean, he he hasn't showed up. But one more thing I want to touch on before you let me go. Is uh, how about them uh, the, the Los Angeles punks like like Kevin Plank? They win all these games and they can't even they 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 don't even win in the playoffs. I mean that's why I always said, you know, as a as a as a fan, I I I'd rather my team get in through a wild card spot and not win all these games during the regular season because how many times do you see a, a team win a hundred games and they do absolutely nothing in the in the playoffs? You see where I'm where, where I'm going with that? But I said it I the middle of the season, I told Matt Miga, I said, do not count out the San Diego Padres. I said, they are built to make some noise in the playoffs. And as of right now, I think it's going to be the Padres in the, in the World Series. I think it's going to be the Padres in Astro, but But uh, that's just my take. I'm glad that the Dodgers lost because I can't stand them just as much as I can't stand the Yankees. And uh, I'm not going to uh, jump on another bandwagon, and I'm going to say this to the day I die. Roll time.
2: Martin, appreciate the phone call, bud. My man, we'll get to more about the baseball coming up in a few minutes because I do have some thoughts about what we saw over the weekend when it comes to that. But let's talk LSU. Tigers go into the swamp and get a hard-fought win. Jaden Daniels, six touchdowns. Six. Last time I checked, that's pretty good. It was a good matchup. This was a coin flip game. It was less than three points on the spread. I think it was, by game time, only two. Both teams were four and two. Both teams needed to win. And I said, beat on this table all week, that it could change the trajectory of each team's season. LSU had the better quarterback. That mattered. And their defense is opportunistic. And... They were able to win a game on the road. By the way, they've beaten Florida now four straight times and eight out of the last ten. Four in a row, eight of the last ten. They kind of own the Gators in the last decade. Even when they're down, they still beat Florida. The the, the great shoe throw from a couple years ago is a perfect example. Billy Napier still has work to do. Brian Kelly still has work to do. I think this quiets a little bit of the chatter of from the anti-Brian Kelly crowd that believes that he isn't the right fit for the Tigers, that they should have hired Billy Napier. Uh, Look, I think both programs hired really good coaches. I know a lot of you don't like Brian Kelly, and I've heard all the reasons why. Too old. Because he's 60, how can an old man turn around a program, rebuild a program? Well, you know, Bill Belichick and Nick Saban are 70. They're proving that you can still coach. Everyone said that he couldn't recruit down south. He still got Walker Howard to come to LSU. He's doing a nice job on the recruiting trail, especially now, right now, as they're gearing up for the 2023 class. And you have to give a guy time. Brian Kelly won national championships in Division II. He turned around Central Michigan. He made Cincinnati a team that went to Orange Bowls and Sugar Bowls. He took Notre Dame, where it's tough to coach at because of the academic restrictions. It's like going to an Ivy League school. And had them win 10, 11 games year in, year out. And yeah, they underperformed in the BCS championship game and BCS bowl games and the college football playoff. You're right. But he's going to be able to get far more talent. Give him a couple years. His teams will be far more talented at LSU than they ever were at Notre Dame. I've said it before. You're letting a kid go into a candy store with a $100 bill now. He's not going to have any restrictions. There were guys that he tried to recruit to Notre Dame that he couldn't get to come to Notre Dame because they didn't have the grades. Period. Brian Kelly is a good coach. His entire head coaching career has been winning. And he's structured. And he brings stability. You're starting to see it pay off. Now, all that being said, hard-fought win on the road. Jane Daniels looked good. They ran the ball. Josh Williams former walk on over 100 yards rushing defense made enough plays it's a hard fault road win and now you're LSU you're 5 and 2 just on the outside of the top 25 again latest polls they're actually at 27 the second the team with the second most others receiving votes and now you got undefeated Ole Miss coming to town for homecoming what if they beat Ole Miss and then it's Alabama. What if they beat Ole Miss and get to 6-2? and two? And then they bring in a vulnerable Alabama team. Martin's a fan. I get it. Bama should have lost to Texas. They should have lost to Texas A&M. And they looked like crap against Arkansas, which we've proven Arkansas looks to be a bad team. So Alabama is not the world beaters. They are immensely vulnerable. Now, I could argue every team in college football right now, with the exception of maybe Ohio State, is very vulnerable. Every team has a vulnerability, including Georgia. But, well, how good is that Georgia-Tennessee game going to be in a couple weeks? All that said, for LSU, now you're... 5-2. 5-2. Now you got Ole Miss coming to town. Now you look at the rest of their season and you go, okay, <clears throat> I said the ceiling looked like to be 7-8 wins. Well, Ole Miss, Bama, Arkansas, UAB, Texas A&M. They can win all three of those final three games for sure. That gives them to the eight. If, even if they lose to Ole Miss and Bama, they beat Arkansas – UAB A&M that's an eight win season in year one of Brian Kelly who by the way took over a team that only had 39 scholarship players just like to point that out just like to point that out they played extremely well Jaden Daniels played extremely well six touchdowns career performance three passing three rushing Brian Kelly afterwards was asked hey You know, this great performance, which came kind of out of nowhere, were there any signs that Jaden had that potential that he could play this way?
9: Absolutely, of course. I mean, we were hoping that uh, he was going to be more uh, assertive with the football and push it down the field. He's seeing things a lot better. Uh, The offense is coming to him. Um, It's a new offense that he's in, uh, and um, it's, it's slowing down for him um and and obviously you know throwing for 3 and running for 3 you saw his athletic ability and his ability to um to move this offense.
2: Kayshawn Butte was also very good as well, wasn't he? Former Westgate star. They fed him the ball, he made plays, he caught the I mean, it sounds simple but he actually caught the football when it was thrown to him. Now he didn't get into the end zone, but he led the Tigers in receiving stepped up big time and time again in this game. And Brian Kelly was asked, what was really clicking for Kayshawn?
9: He just, um, I made him the game day captain and you could just see that intensity pick up. And I don't know that that was the reason for it, but he played fast. He, I made him game day captain because of the way he practiced this week. Um, He by far set the standard in terms of Um, how he went to practice, and it showed in the way he played. He was faster than anybody. Uh, He broke tackles. He was a difference maker. If he plays at that level, um, we're we're a different football team.
2: They have the potential to get to be an eight-win team or maybe even better now. Now, they still got a lot of work to do, and some of that has to do with the special teams because the special teams is just, let's be honest, dreadful jack besh feel for the young man he's a good kid covered him in high school we've had him on the show but he but he muffed another another kick and then he had to be taken out of the game like he was in street clothes during the game kelly gave an update on what happened to jack during the game
9: he he has a strain in his lower back and same same injury as last week um, and, and it just he just tightened up again
2: so he's dealing with that back issue they got to figure out the special teams though they got they got to figure out it in a hurry because they're going to lose a game because of special teams they just are they got to figure it out because you look at this LSU team and you just go the special teams is horrendous right now absolutely horrendous. Defense, Richardson had his moments, that 81-yard touchdown run, which was sensational for the Gators' quarterback late when they tried to mount the comeback, scoring back-to-back touchdowns in the fourth to close the gap a little bit. They had their plays. They put up some some yardage. But for the most part, I thought LSU's defense did a nice job. This is what Brian Kelly had to say about the Tigers' D.
9: You know, I, I look, they did some really good things. Um, we harassed the quarterback tonight. Um But we have to tackle better. Um, I I thought we got, and Matt would probably agree with this, we probably got a little bit too conscious of protecting the formations. As you know, they're in multiple formations. And we tried to protect too many things. And we probably lightened our our defensive box uh, a little bit in the running game. I think if we had to do it all over again, we probably would have been a little bit more uh, stout inside out. But having said that, um, it's the first time that we've gone up against this quarterback and, and having a better understanding of who he is is going to help us moving forward.
2: Go to the Swamp, you get a win. And this team gets itself off the mat after being humbled at home by Tennessee. But they've beaten Auburn, Mississippi State, Florida. You realize Brian Kelly is the first coach in LSU history in his first season to beat Auburn on the Plains in Florida at the Swamp in the same season. They're trying to turn things around. They took a big step on Saturday. We got to take a timeout. When we return here in RP3 and Company, we'll talk Major League Baseball playoffs. Astros outlasting the Mariners in an epic Game Three to sweep the ms and move on to the lcs we'll talk about that next right here on the game southwest louisiana sports station in your home for the lsu tigers and houston astros
1: tune in every weekday at 8:15 a.m. and 3:15 p.m. for the lsu sports update presented by tips trailers here on the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana's sports station two pitch in the air deep left center field hit well rodriguez on the run and it is gone oh jeremy pena sends one to the seats and the astros lead one to nothing in the 18th inning
2: astros finally get on the board in an epic one nothing game 18 innings. Hey, what? Let's try that again, shall we? Let's try that again. 18 innings. Ooh, breaking in the new tongue this morning. I am here, apparently. one nothing. 18 innings. Credit the Mariners for fighting like they did. They essentially played two games on Saturday. The rookie, Pena, though, finally broke through. And the Strohs get the sweep. What's crazy about this series, look, you could argue that the Mariners probably, I'll go ahead and say it, you could say they they, they played better than the Astros did. For the majority of this series, the Mariners actually played better than the Astros, but the Astros won the series. Alvarez in game one, Mariners were the better team. The Mariners actually led 30 of the 36 innings in this series, and they got swept. Think about that. The Mariners led 30 out of 36 innings in this series. They roughed up Justin Verlander in game one, made him look bad, shelled him, got him out Of the game. They still lost the game. Led 30 of 36 innings. Shelled Justin Verlander. And Jose Altuve. Did not. Have a hit. They shelled Verlander. And Jose Altuve did not get a hit. He was 0 for 100. I'm being dramatic. But. 0 oh, for 100. And they won the series despite o- Altuve putting up an 0 for and Verlander looking human and not leading in 30 of the innings played. But they got the walk-off home run from Jordan in game one. They were strong in game two. They had dominant pitching in game three. And Pena came up with the home run in the 18th inning, and the reason why this happened, and I, I explained this to five names, and I'll say it again: their experience came through. That was the difference in this series. Seattle is immensely talented, and they're gonna if they can keep that core together, they're gonna be a dangerous team for years to come. But the Astros are now in their sixth straight ALCS. They've been to three World Series. They've seen it all. They've done it all. Their experience came up. And they never lose their cool. They never lose their composure. And that's why, even though Seattle played good enough to win this series, the Astros won in a sweep Because of their experience. That's what it boiled down to. Because of their experience. As for the rest of the Major League Baseball playoffs, Dodgers. (laughs) Hey, hey. Oh, man. I I laugh because, well, the, the Dodgers are an easy team to dislike. They just are. They just are. They won 111 games, a record for their 139-year-old franchise. They beat their opponents by a wide margin. They scored more runs than any team in Major League Baseball this year. And they won 22 more games than the second-place team in their division. Dominant. And Dave Roberts, the skipper of the Dodgers, guaranteed, said, you can book it. We're going to win the World Series. And they lost to their division opponent that they dominated during the regular season. Padres are going to the NLCS for the first time since 1998. The Dodgers became the first team since the Chicago Cubs in 1906 to lose a postseason series to a team with 22 fewer regular season victories than them. They outscored their opponents this year by 334 runs, the most by any team since the 1939 New York Yankees, and the Dodgers didn't even make it to the NLCS. <laughs> like, this is baseball, man. This is baseball. Phillies take down the defending World Series champs and the Atlanta Braves. So we got Phillies and Padres, both of them as wildcard teams, by the way playing in the NLCS. The Astros await the winner of the Guardians-Yankees as Garrett Cole pitched really well yesterday to help the Yankees survive as they force a Game 5, which will be played today in the ALDS. Baseball. Gotta love it, man. This is what makes it special. And I think the time off, That was implemented this year. I think it hurt the teams. Dodgers, gone. Braves, gone. Astros had their hands full the entire time with the Mariners, and the Yankees are on the brink of elimination too. Baseball is all about routine, and you take a week off, you throw that routine off, and it showed. It showed. We got to take a timeout. When we return... We're going to talk LSU with Jeff Palermo from Tiger Rag Radio. That'll be next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
1: RP3 is known across Acadiana as a master of the English language.
2: You look at all the guys that they got. Clinton Anukuraru? Oof. And I don't know how to pronounce this young man's name. TJ Falola? More like a master of broken English, that is. They also added an inside linebacker, Casey Wasawi? These names are killing me, man. I even practiced <laughs> last night.
9: Me fail English? That's impossible.
2: Now
1: oh, back to that it. silky smooth delivery of RP3 and company on, on the, the game. game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.
2: The LSU Tigers going to the swamp, get a win. They improved to five and two on the season. Jane Daniels has a coming out party, so to speak, career game for him. Six total touchdowns and the defense does enough and makes a play late as they hold on for a win to recap it and to look ahead to this Saturday's homecoming game against undefeated Ole Miss. Well, that should be electric is our good friend, Jeff Palermo from Tiger Rag Radio. Jeff, good morning to you, brother. How are you, my friend? Well, doing well, Raymond. How about yourself? I am uh, doing great. Of course, you and I hung out Saturday night in Lake Chuck, as uh, I was there covering the McNeese game, and you were on the call for the McNeese game, um, and uh, that that was not that was not uh, optimal uh, for the Cowboys. <laughs> they they they, they, no, it they they got some work to do. But let's talk about the team in Baton Rouge. Yeah, uh, They go into the Swamp, always a tough place to play. Uh, lots of buzz about this being the Brian Kelly-Billy Napier game. I don't think either coach really cares about all that. They're trying to rebuild their programs, but fans care. Uh, what would you make of what you saw from start to finish from LSU in the Swamp?
3: Well, obviously the best performance all season long by the offense. It, it was terrific. Um, it's kind of what we've been waiting for. Uh, I, I don't really know what finally clicked. For uh, Jaden Daniels, but it, it finally came together. Maybe he he saw what uh, Tennessee's quarterback did the week before, and he saw, you know, what I, I just got to be more aggressive. Um, you know, there's been these player meetings as well. Uh, maybe some things finally sit hit home, and maybe it just takes to you know, it obviously just takes time. I mean, we're, we're in a society of uh, we want everything to happen instantly, and it just it just takes time it takes time for that chemistry to build between the quarterback and the receiver for the quarterback to have a, a comfort level in the offense that he's operating in to have comfort level with his offensive line and um so it just came to a point where you know maybe Jaden daniels just decided to let it rip and then who knows uh maybe finally throwing an interception against tennessee even though it came in garbage time maybe he just said okay Uh, I don't don't have to worry about trying to go through a season without throwing an interception. I've already thrown one. Let's see what happens. And um, it was nice to see. And hopefully for LSU, they can duplicate it uh, this Saturday against Ole Miss. I mean, defensively, I I think they played well. You know, there was obviously missed tackles on the, the long touchdown run. For uh, Anthony Richardson, the Florida quarterback, um, you know, then another point get, or another score given up because of a muffed punt, uh, the long touchdown pass that came off the long kickoff return. But for the most part, I, I thought I thought the defense played really well in this game. Um, yeah, could could tackle better. There's no doubt about that. Uh, that that was uh, concerning there at the end of the game, but um, it, it was still. A, Hey, uh, you, you go to the swamp, you win there, you put up, you know, the the amount of points that they put up, I think you take it and, and you move on and, and you try to try to duplicate the effort again this Saturday against the Rebels.
2: Daniels looked really good, obviously, with six total touchdowns. You know, Kayshaun Butte looked good as well. And, and Brian Kelly talked about afterwards that he made him a game day captain based on what he saw all week in practice and that – Kayshawn kind of set the tone for the wide receivers and set the tone for the team with his work ethic and the way he practiced. If I'm an LSU fan, I got to feel pretty good about the star wide receiver who's had a rough start to the season and kind of a rough offseason. It seems like maybe he's happy, he's putting in the work, and it seems like everyone's kind of on the same page now.
3: Well, and if you go back to it, it's been about a year now since he suffered that injury in the loss to Kentucky last year. Yeah. So, and I I think for a guy like Kayshawn, you, you know, here you are in the middle of the season, you've you've you barely have made any kind of an impact to the year. And a guy like him, I think it, it comes down to, you know what, I, I just got to go out there and, and make a play. And it helped that on the first drive, he makes a 40-yard pass play. And, and you see this with, you know, receivers even in the NFL – if they're able to make a play instantly in the game, it seems like they stay into the game throughout the contest. And that's been a problem, right? They just haven't been able to get the ball to K but but um, fewer runs by Jane and Daniels means he's throwing the ball more on pass plays that they're calling. So more guys have an opportunity to get involved. You know, Brian Thomas, Malik neighbors. I mean, that's, that's a good three headed monster right there at the wide receiver position. You even lose a guy like Jack Besh, during the game to what appears to be a back injury. And he, you don't really miss a beat because you got those three guys who are really good wide receivers. I mean, guys that should have good careers in the NFL and, and should be productive on this football team. So a terrific sign to see it. Um, you know, Brian Kelly has mentioned from time to time about Kay practice habits and, it, it, I think maybe, hopefully for the young man, it shows, hey, if you if you prepare well and you practice hard during the week, good things will happen for you in the game. And that certainly was the case against the Gators.
2: You know, they've struggled to run the football for most of the year. That's been an issue for this offensive line. Uh, boy, but Josh Williams, former walk-on, uh, he sure did his job, and he sure uh, did it well. What do you make of how they were able to run the football against the Gators' defense?
3: It was just a tough run. It was a gritty run. It was, um, you know, this is a kid that uh, you got to really feel good about. I mean, he's someone that you certainly root about, root for. You mentioned, you know, former walk-on, a guy that uh, just certainly um, it, it just goes out there and gives it his all. And it's it's been a struggle for the running game, and you, you finally you finally you break one and you break one when you, when you really need it to kind of get you going in the second half. So uh, that was great. And I think you, you saw a little bit more from John Emery as well. And, and again, you know, we, we continue to sit here and, uh, you know, we over the last the over the, over the games prior to this one against Florida, we, you know, we're pulling our hair out and, and so forth over just the, the troubles on this offense. and, I think, again, it just kind of comes down to it just took some time. And and now you just hope that this this wasn't a one-game one thing. You hope that uh, there's some carryover to this and you start to see some more consistency as a whole from the offense uh, the rest of the way.
2: Jeff, part of that also comes from the offensive line. You had Will Campbell back, and you got your two starting tackles who are freshmen. They're the best offensive linemen that they have. And that makes a huge difference for this team. I I just, they're going to be set for years, for years because of that, because your two best offensive linemen are freshmen, right? So those guys are going to develop, and that's going to be great for the O line. But you could definitely tell a big difference with Will Campbell back uh, across that offensive line.
3: Well, it it mattered on that fourth down and one play, right? I mean, they, they ran a fourth down and one play against Tennessee, didn't get it. They get it against Ten they get it against Florida will Campbell's in the lineup. I mean that's that might tell you what you need to know right there. Um, so yeah it makes it makes a big difference. I mean those guys there are times where you still see uh, in particular Emory, Emory Jones get beat bad on a play. I mean I but I think that's that's going to happen. obviously that's going to happen. Um, they they keep figuring this thing out you know offensively um now let's see what they do against Ole Miss because Ole Miss has has been pretty good again on defense Um uh, now they they haven't been spectacular against the run I mean they just allowed Tink Bigsby who has been struggling to really get anything going for Auburn he rushed for 179 yards against them on Saturday but Ole Miss defensively they're only allowing 17 points a game but uh I'll, I'll also say this about the Rebels 7-0 and record I mean it it's not like they've they've taken down Alabama, Tennessee, and Georgia in that 7 and 0 record. I mean, it's it's a pretty it's about as soft of a 7 and 0 record as you can get. Uh I mean, I think the one good win that they had there was was beating Kentucky by 3 points, but when you look at their non-conference win, their big one against Georgia Tech, who's probably one of the worst FBS or Power 5 schools there is or there is out there. So uh, this is an Ole Miss team that I think could be had, and that's why it, when you look at the spread, I mean, the Rebels are only favored by a, a point and a half.
2: It should be a heck of a game. and It'll be homecoming. Old Rivals, Ole Miss, LSU, Saturday there in Death Valley. Jeff, appreciate your time as always. I'm sure, uh, man, I guess y'all have nothing to talk about on uh, Tiger Rag Radio this week, right? <laughs>
3: Yeah, we're live this week, right? Ain't I know, no, bud. Uh, no, Astros con- no Astros conflict. That's right, no. Live all, all day right. long, buddy.
2: All two hours. All
3: right. Six to eight. Come join us, yeah. Um, we'll we'll certainly break things down. So, uh, looking forward to it.
2: Always appreciate your time, Jeff. Thank you for it, bud. We'll talk to you next Monday.
3: All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Raymond.
2: we got to take a timeout. We'll wrap up hour number two and get you... Set up for hour number three. That's all coming up next, right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. <music> oh, the Test Project is hosting Shake Your Trail Feather Paddle Parade and Party in the park on October 22nd. A pair of live Cajun bands are going to escort paddlers as they float from Poche Bridge to Bro Bridge from 10 until noon. After the paddle parade, there's going to be a free celebration at the park in Bro Bridge from 1130 to 2. Horse Trahan and the Austin Express will be playing. There's going to be also live kids activities, food and drinks, bird costume prizes, and even a kayak raffle. Come paddle or join the fun with the TESH Project on October 22nd in Bro Bridge. For more information, visit the website, teshproject.org. Let's check in on the poll question of the day. It's about them Saints. What was the biggest reason the Saints lost to the Bengals yesterday inside the Caesar Superdome? Was it settling for field goals? Was it the hideous tackling? Was it the mediocre quarterback play, especially late? Or was it all of the above? Right now, leading the vote, all of the above with 45% of the vote. 37% of you say hideous tackling. 16% say settling for field goals. And 2% of you say mediocre quarterback play. Brad on Twitter says all of the above, but getting down to the nitty gritty, it's because the offense couldn't put them away on third and four with 2.14 left and allowed them to get the ball back. You're not wrong, Brad. Ralph Bergeron says, and I hate hearing Dennis Allen say, We'll, we'll have to look at the film. What are y'all watching, Groundhog Day? <laughs> Ralph also says, given all the receivers out, don't blame it on quarterback play. Red zone offense was bad, but a lot was on play calling and mediocre tackling. That's like saying candy corn is mediocre. It was bad. DA is in way over his head, and don't get me started on Matthew. Yeah, I'm still waiting for the Honey Badger to 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 be the impact player we thought he was going to be. Just haven't seen it. Just haven't seen it. That was one of the big deals in the offseason, and I just really haven't seen it. That hit on Burrow gets called roughing the passer 100% of the time. I don't know what the rule is. It's a good point. Doug says, don't y'all understand that Joey B and Chase can't be in the Superdome? Just ask Clemson. who that forever? Was tackling horrendous? Question mark? Yep. Was QB play mediocre? Yep. Was there a bevy of other reasons that accounted for the loss? Yep. But the simple fact is, you settle for four field goals in the red zone, and, well, you're going to have a bad time. That's going to do it for hour number two. Keep those votes coming. Keep those comments coming. We'll kick off hour number three with Hunter Bauer. We're going to talk high school football. That's next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
0: Oh, yeah.
2: Our number three has arrived here in RP3 and company. Good morning to you. Hope you're being safe on your morning commute to work or school. Keep voting on the poll question of the day. We asked you to try to get to the root of why the Saints lost to the Bengals yesterday. I mean, I already know why, but I want to hear, <laughs> hear from you. Was it mediocre quarterback play? Was it the horrendous tackling oh just miss tackle miss tackle they had 10 of them yesterday 10 They average seven and a half miss tackles a game that's not a stat you want to be mindful of just saying oh me oh my or you know the punt Ugh. go vote on our poll question of the day leave your comments on facebook and twitter and we'll share them Throughout today's show, we'll talk more about the Saints finding a way to lose yesterday when Tina Howell from Canal Street Chronicles joins us for the Big Easy Blitz coming up in a half hour. And we've also spent time today talking about the LSU Tigers getting a win down in the swamp. We've touched a little bit on McNeese as well, and we'll do so more later, but right now it's time for us to talk high school football. We only have three weeks of the regular season left. Week eight has already arrived. It has absolutely flown by. And to give us a better understanding here of what teams are appearing to be contenders, legitimate contenders, and what teams still have some work to be done is the editor of GoPreps, our good friend, Hunter Bauer. Hunter, good morning to you, bud. How you doing?
8: Raymond, how's
2: it going this morning? It's going well, brother. It's going well. So let's d- let's dive right in because I want to talk about some teams that we know here locally and are, are prevalent in Southwest Louisiana. I want to start off with the Bar Buccaneers because it's it, it, it's been a struggle for them this year. I thought the Bucks would be better. Hunter, what's ailed them? Why have they struggled so much and are in danger of not making the postseason?
8: Yeah, you know, it's really been a, a question mark. You know, I'm, I'm sitting here looking at their schedule right now. And, of course, you know, again, this is a team that, you know, two years removed from, you know, not being able to play their season in 2020 due to the uh, the, the hurricane uh, Hurricane Laura over here and uh, just really threw some things out of whack for the Buccaneers. But, uh, you know, they had an okay season last year. They had a couple breakout uh, 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 stars in, in uh, jamal levi will McLean, um that just kind of wrecked up some big numbers last year but they just struggled a little bit and you know i think it's just again having to come back from first off they lost a lot of kids um a lot of kids went to other places went to other schools um you know so having to replace those kids and then losing the seniors from last year uh really put a hurt hurdle um you know, but I, I thought that they would fare a little bit better this year. Um, I thought that they would at least give some um, uh, some competitive games against the Karen Crows and the South Side. Not taking anything away from those two teams because they're really good, but uh, losing to Sulphur and Sam Houston's really hurt them. Uh, they're on the outside looking in right now. Uh, they're going to have to win out to 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 get in to the playoffs, I think. Um, so it's going to be a tough road. For Bar, but uh, certainly, you know, they're just young. They're having to rebuild that program, and um, you know, hopefully, they'll get it back going like they used to.
2: Let's talk about another team in that same district, the Akita Anaheim, Reck and High Wrecking Rams. They're a perennial state powerhouse. Uh, it's it's nothing to be upset about losing to a team like John Curtis because it, it's, it's John Curtis. But they've played a couple of games here against elite competition in the state and they've they've fallen both of those times. Do you see anything from the Wrecking and Rams that suggest hey they're good but maybe they're not as maybe they're not state title good.
8: You know, honestly I really think that determining factor is going to happen this week against Southside and the reason I say that um you know Southside's strong this year and uh you know they they brought a lot of back, a lot back on offense it's really going to test the KD and the defense. Now, again, not taking anything away from John Carter or Lafayette Christian. Those are really two really good programs. Um, but they just don't have that signature win. Acadiana doesn't. And uh, I think, you know, they go against Southside and Karen Crowe the next two weeks. And uh, I think, you know, coming in and getting two of those wins uh, really will set the tone going into the postseason, especially since Acadiana's on the uh, on the select side now. And uh, I think Acadiana is uh, – uh, you know, they're, I think they're in the top 13 or 14 teams uh, in top 16, get a home game in that new uh, division bracket, but uh, yeah, you know, I, I think that determining factor is going to be how they play against Southside, a good Southside team this week. That, that's going to be a game to watch. Um, and then how they compete against Karen Crow. I think Karen Crow's, you know, definitely in the mix for that district championship. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how Kenny Anna bounces back from that win. I mean, they're averaging 42 points per game. Uh, so, again, it's going to Going to see how they really test that south side defense.
2: And we're going to find out a lot more about the Sharks as well when now they find, when they face a, a team like Acadiana High Absolutely. this week. yeah. Let's stay in, in 5A because I know Edna Carr had to give up a couple of games uh, for forfeits, so their record is not reflective of just how good they are. Are we going to have a situation with, uh, with Edna Carr being – seated in the bracket in a place that they really shouldn't be, but because of the forfeits they're going to be and that could totally disrupt the playoffs.
8: Well, you know, a couple of weeks ago when they when they made the announcement, uh, I told somebody, I said, you know, I feel sorry for whoever has to host Ed McCarr in the first round. Well, actually looking in at the power ratings this morning, uh, Ed McCarr's at a 15 seed right now, so they would actually host the first round game. They'd be a lower uh, home home team, but they would actually host a first-round game, but definitely would be a, uh, it'd be a major upset uh, for whoever they would have to go on the road uh, that next week um, if they have to face a higher seed. Um, you know, I, honestly, Raymond, Edna Carr, I think, is the, the best team in the state, uh, regardless of classification. Um, you know, a lot of people were giving them grief at the beginning of the season, uh, saying that they weren't going to be able to compete. Uh, in that in that Catholic league over there in New Orleans, and just look what they've done so far. I mean, they have literally blown out um, all three of their district opponents that they've faced so far. Um, so, yeah, you know, it, it's going to take a lot. Uh, I'm going to be interested in that last game of the regular season with Carr and John Curtis when they match up together. It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. But uh, definitely by far, I think Edna, Edna Carr is the, the, the best team in the state of Louisiana.
2: We're talking with Hunter Bauer, the editor of gopreps.com. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. We're talking high school football as we gear up for week number eight. Let's go to class 4A because you and I had a brief discussion about this at the McNeese game on Saturday. It may be the best class in the state. It is stacked from top to bottom. And I look at the local district here for us in Acadiana, St. Thomas Moore, Turlings Catholic. LaFayette Christian, Westgate, they're all in the same district and Turlings may be the best team of all of them because they've already beaten Westgate and they beat LaFayette Christian this week and they're undefeated. Uh what do you just make of 4A in general and how good do you think Dane Chaponche's Rebels team really is? Well, it,
8: honestly, Raymond, it's, it's funny you say that because uh when I put uh when we put our GoPreps uh football polls out yesterday, I Had a couple teams, uh, coaches from the teams in four A, and they're like, "Man, you know, you gave us such a low rating." I'm like, "No, I didn't. That's just how competitive Class Four A is this year. It's just so tough to try to, to you know, sort through all that because I mean, not only do you have those teams that you listed down here, you also got Neville, you have Lutcher, you've got De La Salle over there in New Orleans, Uh, you got North Desoto up there in Shreveport, Warren Easton doing really well right now. Warren Easton, yeah, Warren Easton's doing well um class 4a is just that usually it's it's class three a every year but 4a is just so competitive this year and so tough it's really hard to try to rank that classification but no i mean Brandon, you're right uh class 4a uh especially down here in the katiana area you know furling's catholic has just turned it on the last couple weeks and i mean they have just gone and proved everybody wrong week in and week out. They've ended two long winning streaks, and that was St. Charles and Westgate. Uh, they took down Lafayette Christian. Now, they still have a, a really good game this week against St. Thomas Moore. Now, if they beat St. Thomas Moore, uh, no doubt they may earn that number one spot in Class 4A and deservedly really so beating teams like that. Um, you know, when you've got a quarterback like Preston Welch, who's going for over 1,200 yards, um, Kentrell Prejean, uh, at wide receiver you just got a whole bunch of weapons on that offense um like i said when you beat teams like that it definitely sets the tone um around the state uh definitely sets the tone for for your power rating as well i mean they're number one in the uh in the in the select division too uh but again you also on the non-select side you also have like Cecilia and opelousas they play this week uh that's going to be a good game for that district opelousas is Shocked a lot of people. They're second in, in their division power ratings. Um, so yeah, I mean, four A in general. And I, again, I go back to North DeSoto up in Shreveport. You know, a lot of people have kind of you know just been quiet about them, but they're racking up some points. I mean, they're they're averaging almost fifty points per game. Uh, they got a tough district up there as well. You know, they play Huntington this week, and then they play Northwood at the at the end of the season. Two really good teams. Um, yeah, Class 4A in general is just going to be stacked. I, I am so I just hate how we're split because it would make for such a great bracket uh, if all these teams were combined and playing each other, make for some really good games. Uh, but yeah, those three games that I listed for 4A this week definitely going to man. If you're if you're a Lassie, if you're a high school football fan and you live in the Lafayette area or a Katy area and you're not at one of these games this week, then I just feel sorry for you because you're going to miss out on some great high school football.
2: You mentioned 3A is usually the classification that's just overly stacked. And, and this year you got a, a slew of good teams, right? You still got Union Parish, got yeah. St. James, Madison Prep, uh, uh you, you know, uh, Iowa. But I want to talk about Church Point because they're coming off a state semifinal run and they're one of only what? There's like a dozen teams left in the state that are undefeated and they're one of them. Uh, it always feels like we don't talk enough about church point because, well, they're a rural school, right. In Acadia parish. Uh, and, but they are just, once again, just mowing right through the competition, seven and zero heading into week eight.
8: Yeah. And you know, they, they've been like that over the last couple of years, Raymond, they just, uh, you know, again, they're one of those teams that just flies under the radar up until, uh, uh, the postseason starts. And, um, You know, and I tell everybody every year, I'm like, watch out for Church Point. They're a really good team. Again, they're one of those that are averaging almost 40, I think 45, 50 points per game. Uh, They've just blown through everybody in their district. Uh, They got a good game with uh, Kaplan and Iota coming up in a few weeks. So uh, that's going to be the determining factor for that district right there. Uh, Iota's got a really good team again this year as well. But, yeah, J.C. Arsenault just, you know, Always have some weapons over there at Church Point. They're going to be in the mix as well, especially in that non select division over there uh, on, on the 3A side. Uh, you know, again, they have to go up against the St. James's and the Union Parishes and, and, and Sterlingtons and, and the Bogaloosas that you know are kind of popping up here and there and the highways over here in, 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 in the Lake Charles area. Uh, but yeah, no Church Point. Um, again, just one of those teams. You, just a good old country team. They run the wing tee offense. Uh, they have a running back in Thailand Citizen who's just just a phenomenal athlete, a really good running back. Uh, so, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. I think they're going to go undefeated to finish the regular season. Uh, I, I don't see anybody competing with them. I think Iota's going to, going to give them a game, uh, but I think Church Point's just got too much, and uh, they'll, they'll end up getting a, a high seed over there. Uh, for the Class 3A playoffs in that division on the
2: non flex side. All right, Bud, we'll wrap it up with this. Give me some of the lower classification uh, teams that are really kind of standing out to you. Obviously, Manny undefeated in 2A. They're kind of setting the table there, but plenty of competition. Newman, Dunham, Mangum, yeah. they're all right there with them as well. And then in 1A, Vermilion Catholic, that's a local team for us. They're off to an undefeated mark as well. But, you know, you still got Southern Lab and and Haynesville uh, and others in that. Uh, give me some of the teams that are standing out to you in Class 2A and 1A, and what about some matchups this week to keep an eye on for those uh, in that classification?
8: Yeah, you know, in, in Class 2A, uh, Ascension Episcopal and, and the Moorville playing this week, and Ascension Episcopal doesn't have a, too good of a record. But, again, that, that's a, I think that's going to be a good game uh, between those two teams. Uh, Lauraville – Again, they're four and three, but always a, a Class two A team that, that ends up at least going to the quarterfinals every year. They just always find a way to make it. Uh, that's going to be an interesting matchup to, to watch this week. Um, you know, Mangum is is a two A team that has really surprised everybody this year. Again, they fly under the radar as well. They're six and one. Um, you know, they're going to be in that lower division uh, since they split into these divisions. They'll be a two A school in the one in A bracket. Uh, but they're going to go against some good teams. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how they compete, uh, you know, w- with the Haines and the Homers and, and the Kentwoods and, and things like that. Uh, and then on the one eight side, another game that I'm interested in this week is uh, Catholic to P at St. Edmund. Um, Catholic is, you know, they actually lost last week for the first time. Uh, St. Edmund's one of those teams that they're always competitive, but they're struggling right now. They're 3-3, but they have a phenomenal uh, freshman running back in Kevin Johnson. That's just a game changer for them. Uh, 1A side, again, you know, you never can count out the Homers and the Haines Wills and the Kent Woods and the Washington Christians, but be on the lookout for Glenbrook, who's uh, you know, their second year in the LHSAA. Uh, they were a former, former Mississippi private school. Um, they played in that association, but they're undefeated on the year. They have the state's longest winning streak of 13 games right now. Uh, they're going to be, uh, I think they're going to be a really good team to, to in that uh, in that Division Four Select bracket. So it's going to be interesting to see how they play out. Uh, but yeah, you know, again, at the lower levels and the lower classifications, a lot of good football left to be played. A uh, oh, Welsh over here is undefeated over here in the Lake Charles area, so they're they're going to be a team to watch as well. Um, so I think they got a game coming up against Notre Dame in the next couple weeks uh, for that district championship. So, uh, man, Raymond, again, I hate that it's week eight. Uh, it just seems like the season started yesterday, uh, but we're getting near the playoffs and I'm, I'm really excited. Uh, I think for the first time in a long time, uh, you're going to see a lot of competitive brackets over here in Louisiana. Uh, and you're going to see some, uh, really good state championship games. I'm predicting that right now.
2: Hunter, Appreciate you, Tom. As always, brother, keep up the tremendous work you're doing with gopreps.com, and we'll talk to you soon, my friend.
8: All right, Raymond. Thank you for the time.
2: That's Hunter Bauer with gopreps.com joining us here, talking high school football. Man, we got, like, 4A is just ridiculous, and half of the top 10 teams are from right here. Like, just just think about that. And they're all just going to meet up, and, oh, man, Turlings has taken down... Notre Dame, Opelousas High, St. Charles Catholic defending champs, Westgate defending champs, Lafayette Christian. like, And now they got their arch rival, their crosstown rival coming to town. I mean, uh, going to be playing this week is crazy to me. Absolutely phenomenal. Hey, before we hit the timeout, just want to remind you guys, that the New Orleans Saints are going to be taking on the Arizona Cardinals this Thursday night. Of course, you can listen to the game right here on the game. You're home for the NFL. But the game is also going to get you ready for that primetime matchup. Crunch time with Miguez in Mesh. will be broadcasting live from Twin Peaks on Johnston from 4 to 6. So come hang out with the fellas. Enjoy the ice-cold beverages and burgers this Thursday night as you get geared up for Cardinals-Saints On Thursday Night Football, Twin Peaks, Eats, Drinks, Scenic Views. We got to take a timeout. We'll update that poll question of the day. That's all coming up next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
1: RP3 came to the station this morning to do only two things. Kick some ass and drink some beer. Looks like we're almost out of beer. Well, it's kind of early for the latter, isn't it? Maybe. Probably. Maybe just a root beer. Or some flavored water. Back Back to more kick ass -ass sports talk with RP3 and Company on the game. game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Louisiana's sports station.
2: Ah, here in Louisiana, there are thousands of miles of utility lines and gas pipelines buried just beneath the surface. Sometimes multiple lines are in one area. So look, if you are a contractor that you've hired is digging a hole to put in a new fence, a pool, or any other reason, you run the risk of hitting an underground line by digging only a few inches. What happens then? Maybe only knock the power out for your entire neighborhood, but sometimes there's an explosion with injuries and even death. It happens every single year. And look, there's a very simple way to avoid it. Before you dig, call 811. Call 811 two days before you dig. Tell the operator your address, and someone's going to come out and mark the location of buried lines so you or your contractor can avoid them. It's simple, it's free, and it's the law. Louisiana 811 operates 811 as a public service and to promote public safety. Louisiana 811 and the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, remind you call 811 and know what's below before you dig. got a few minutes here. Let's talk McNeese football. I mentioned earlier that I was at the game covering the Cowboys for the station. And, look, they had came off a bye week. They worked on some things to improve their offense, to tweak things with the offensive line. They moved players around to get more playmakers in space. And they were taking on a team that was unfamiliar, right? Texas A&M Commerce is new to the Southland Conference. So they had an extra week to prepare to try to get on track. And we talked about how the Southland is wide open and Carnate Word's really good. But everyone else has kind of been on the struggle bus and that the Cowboys had an opportunity there inside the hole. It was breast cancer awareness, their breast cancer awareness game. So lots of pink in the crowd, lots of pink on the players in the stands. Great initiative there trying to raise money for breast cancer awareness. Unfortunately... The game did not go their way. They hung tough for a half. They really did. But then Texas A&M Commerce proved to be the better team Saturday night. The visiting Lions outscored the Cowboys 23 to nothing in the final two quarters to pull out a 40-15 to victory. With the loss, McNeese falls to 1-5 overall and 0-2 in Southland Conference play. And look, Commerce began. Seven-play, 70-yard drive. Forty eight yard touchdown pass from Eric Rodriguez, Andrew Armstrong. Armstrong, by the way, leads the country in touchdown receptions. He had two on Saturday. It gives him eleven. He's good. You you look at him, you're like, how did he fall to the Southland conference? Like that's a guy that you're like, that's a guy that's got talent. He looks the part. You see him on the field, and you're like, whoa, 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 He's a lot bigger than everyone else. <laughs> he who doesn't who doesn't belong here on the field? And you point to him, you're like, uh he 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 does not belong there. But McNeese got on the scoreboard right before the end of the quarter. They took advantage of a fumble. It was recovered by Richard Akers. Then Knox-Katum threw a, a beautiful little sharp three-yard touchdown pass to Josh Matthews in the back of the end zone. They got the two-point conversion, and they lead this game. Then they added to the lead with another 12-play, 87-yard drive, which was capped with a one-yard touchdown run by Dante McMahon. But that was the last time the Cowboys held a lead. AM and Commerce just finally got going. They had two scoring drives before the half, finding Rodriguez found Armstrong for another touchdown. Then they added a field goal, and they led at the break 17-15, but this is still a close game. And then the second half happened. No one could score a touchdown in the third because the Lions were sloppy, but they did add a field goal. But then a and Commerce sealed the win with three touchdown drives in the final quarter as the wheels kind of came off for McNeese there at the end. McNeese committed three turnovers in this ballgame. Knox him threw two picks. The Cowboys also completed three of 13 on third down conversions. It's going to be a process in the chuck. We've talked about that a lot. That is going to be a process. Gary Goff has his work cut out for him. I think he's the right guy for the job, but it's going to take time. When you have to add more than 50 players to the roster when you take over. That's a lot of work to be done. Lots of work to be done. McNeese will get back on the field this coming Saturday. They're going to travel to lovely home of Thibodeau to take on Nichols. Kickoff is set for 3 p.m. there. We'll see if the Cowboys can get their first conference win on Saturday on the road. And make sure to join yours truly. That's right, RP3, and the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles this Saturday from 11 to 1 at the at Heritage Housing in Jennings, located at 3350 North Frontage Road. Register to spin the prize wheel for a chance to score a pair of McNeese football tickets and more prizes. So make sure this Saturday you swing by Heritage Homes in Jennings, see your boy. Yours truly, RP3, and swing the prize wheel so you can score yourself some free McNeese football tickets and so much more. It's gonna be this Saturday at Heritage Homes. Heritage Housing, rather, in Jennings. We got to take a timeout. When we return, it'll be time for the big easy blitz. Tina Howe from Canal Street Chronicles will join us right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers in Houston Astros. This is Brett Musburger's Action Update. LSU opens as a
0: point and a half underdog at home against the Old Miss Rebels on Saturday. 64 and a half the total at Tiger Stadium. New Orleans coming off a loss to the Cincinnati Bengals 30 to 26 at home. The Bengals covered the three-point spread as the road favorite. The Saints at the Arizona Cardinals on Thursday night. Saints open as a point-and-a-half road underdog, 44-and-a-half the total at State Farm Stadium. Monday night football today. The Chargers a four-and-a-half point home favorite against Denver, 45-and-a-half the total. In the NBA tomorrow, the Pelicans are a four-point dog at Brooklyn. 50% off site-wide at OmahaStakes.com and save an additional $30 when you enter the promo code VSEN. VSIN at checkout at omahastakes.com. For the latest sports betting news and information 24 7, 365, go to VSIN.com. Mike Sennett on the game.
11: This fall, Academy of the Sacred Heart and Berkman's Academy invite your family to experience the sights and sounds of student life in historic Grand Coteau. Throughout October, we're hosting a series of open house events for potential students and their families. Our open house events are the perfect way to get a behind-the-scenes look at our beautiful campus grounds and single-gendered approach to education. From classroom walkthroughs and sanctuary tours to a complete overview of school offerings and the enrollment process, you'll gain all the insights you need to make the best decision for your child's future. What's more, application fees will be waived in October for anyone who attends an event. But hurry because space is limited. Reserve your spot today for Academy of the Sacred Heart and Berkman's Academy open house event by visiting ash1821.org/tours. Again, that's ash1821.org/tours. My doctor told me my cholesterol is borderline, so I took control with Garlic Healthy Cholesterol
1: Formula. Garlic helps maintain healthy cholesterol safely and naturally. It's odor and taste free, and garlic is a world leader in garlic potency. I'm taking charge of my cholesterol with Garlic Healthy Cholesterol Formula, cholesterol's natural enemy.
2: These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. The term natural references only the garlic in the product. Use as directed.
6: It's time to celebrate the gift of life and honor Lopa's heroes at the beautiful Cherokee Ridge Horse Farm in Karen Crow. Register now for Lopa's 9th Annual Trail Run for Life set for Sunday, October 30th. This year's theme is We Are Family. There will be face painting, cornhole games, a photo booth, prizes and treats. Compete in the 5K, 10K, or Superhero Fun Run. It's a day dedicated to cherishing the heroes and families and the bonds created through the gift of life. Sign up at lopa.org slash trail run.
1: is ready for Saints talk. Begin <laughs> the Camara, breaks through, spins with the two, into the end zone, touchdown! Time to talk Saints with the Big Easy Blitz here on RP3 and Company.
2: Welcome back to RP3 and Company. I'm Raymond Parch the third, joined by the producer Extraordinaire, Miss Hannah Five Names. It's time for us now to talk All Things New Orleans Saints football. Tina Howe from Canal Street Chronicles now joins us. Tina, good morning to you. How are you?
10: Good morning. I'm doing well. How are you? Uh,
2: how much afternoon drinking did you do after the game?
10: None. I actually turned on another game and stepped away from it. That's where we're at. This <laughs> point. didn't even rewatch it. Usually, I re- rewatch it and break it down. Didn't even do it. I said, "You know what? Mental health comes first. Step away." <laughs> so frustrating.
2: So when you look at this game, and I, they had a great game plan to me. They wanted to run the football, lean on the running attack. They did that. Now, they didn't get touchdowns, which proved to end up biting them in the tuchus. But I, I actually liked their game plan for the most part offensively until late in the game. And then I, I, they just, I don't know, they stepped away from getting the ball in the hands of the guys that helped him get to that point. And they seemed to get, I don't know, a little nervous with the play calling. And they just didn't execute well offensively in the last quarter.
10: Yeah, same old of what they've done the whole season. They shot themselves in the foot. I don't know what happened with the defense at the end of the game. They just, like, just they gave it up. They gave up the game. I mean, we were – I agree with you. Throughout the whole game, the game plan, the play calling, I mean, the run game, everything was working. I mean, we we had this game. We had this game. And at the end, they just – I don't, I don't, I don't know. I feel like every week we're saying the same thing with this team. They're missing tackles. Like I, I said it yesterday. I was like during the game. I'm like, did they forget how to wrap up guys and tackle? Like, what's going on? Andy Dalton did not have a good performance. You know, we we left a lot of points on the board. You can't win games kicking field goals. And this is a team, the Bengals, who went to the Super Bowl last year. And yeah, they have their they they are not a they are a flawed team. They have issues on O line, but the, again, they did played well enough year to go to the Super Bowl and we were beating them we had control of this game until the end they gave up a big play came back to bite us I just don't know what's what's going on I watch the sidelines I don't see the same passion throughout this whole season that we used to have with the team they're making the like again they got a little bit better yesterday with the play calling but just just, if somebody would have told me at the beginning of the season we're going to be two and four I would have said you're crazy but here we are and the percentage of making the playoffs is not good. We're a very beat-up team. This is a short week. We have to go into Arizona. I'm just – my confidence is really shaken. It's, it's it's very disappointing because on paper at the beginning of the season we did everything right, and here we are now. You know, we're digging ourselves out of a hole and digging ourselves into a hole that we're going to have a very difficult time climbing out of.
2: I didn't think Andy was great as well. I did like the fact that they're able to run the football. I think that suits what their offensive line capabilities are. And I know they didn't have three wide receivers yesterday. No Thomas, no Alave, no Landry. I get that. And and, and I give credit because Callaway and Smith and other guys made plays. Like the backup wide receivers made plays. Yeah, they
10: stepped up.
2: (laughs) They stepped up. But on a day where backup wide receivers and a backup quarterback stepped up, the defense let him down like i i just they had 10 missed tackles yesterday tina 10 they had yeah. 10 missed tackles yesterday and where's the honey badger he was supposed to be an impact player i don't see him making an impact on the game and we're uh, a quarter through the season
10: yeah not at all he's been a very disappointing signing so far um, I feel like he just gives up on plays. It, it, and and a lot of people have been making mention of that. Like, is he playing hurt? What's I mean, what's going on? Like this, you know, this this was a guy that the Saints, you know, had covered it and, and it was all over social media. It was trending for, you know, where's he going to go? Where's he going to go? We sign him. We bring him home. There's all this hype and disappointing so far. And well, I, I just, I, I don't know. This is not a conversation I thought I would have about our defense. I never... The defense has been carrying us the last couple of years, so to just see them playing—I mean, Demar Davis is the exception to that conversation. Pete Warner is is the an you know, exception to that conversation. They've been th- those—he was incredible yesterday, Demario. He, he, he was—you know—just to look at this team, they're not clicking in all cylinders. There's a problem somewhere. There is some kind of disconnect. I don't know if it's all with coaching, the adjustment. I mean, yeah, we are beat up. And I have to take that. You said, you know, three wide receivers. Technically we were down four. If you count Deontay Hardy going on IR Saturday. So, you know, Quan for, for did and, 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 and Callaway stepped up. That was great. I mean, you know, next man up guy gets hurt next man up uh, to sit here and look at where we're at right now, going into week seven on a short week. It's not a positive thing. I, I had, like I said, my confidence is shaken. It doesn't look good. Um, you know, going to this game at halftime, you know, we're having 20 points. I felt, hey, look, you know, maybe we're starting to make corrections. And then, you know, as the game's going on, you know, clock's winding down and I'm seeing these mistakes again. And I'm like, oh, you know, bad tackling, giving up big plays. I mean, you know what kind of talent Jamar Chase is.
2: He looked he so surprised, a- Tina, on that 60-yard touchdown that no one tackled him. Like, like he genuinely looked surprised because he caught the ball and he was expecting, okay – I'm going to get tackled here. And I think Burrow thought, hey, he's going to get tackled here, but we're going to do enough to be able to get in field goal range because our guy can kick 52 yarders and we'll be fine. That's what I thought they had drawn up there. But Roby is not good at tackling. And he absolutely whiffed. And Jamar just kind of shrugged it off. And for a split second, you're like, it looked like Jamar was expecting the Honey Badger to dive at him. And he never did. And he was just yeah. off to the races. He turned around looking yard around.
10: touchdown. There you go. Right. He turned and around looking game.
2: around going, it's surprised that no one was around him.
10: And the thing is, if you listen to the guys game press conferences, they're all addressing this. You know, Tyran said it. You know, we missed tackles. We missed touchdown. You know, Mark said everybody had a hand. I think his exact words were everybody had a dirty hand in this. I mean, it is it, it, at this point, it's like, a, you know, we sound like a broken record. We keep seeing the same uh, penalties, sloppy, even points on the board, poor tackling defense. When is somebody going to be accountable? You know, Dennis Allen's, you know, and, and I don't want to beat up on him too much because coaching was a little bit better. But again, towards the end of the game, you shot yourself in the foot and it's another loss. And we're so beat up and I don't know what's going to happen this week. I mean, because obviously we're playing Thursday night, Jameis. You know he was active yesterday, but he was emergency quarterback. I don't think we're going to have Mike Thomas back. I don't think Jameis is going to play this week. I think it's going to be a few more weeks before they see these guys. We're just digging, digging, digging this hole. We're not going to get out of. It's just very frustrating because I know we're a better team than this. I know. I mean, people look, they're like, oh man, you know, Saints are terrible this year, and I'm like, but this is not the Saints team that sh- what is what we have is not re- is not reflecting on the f- on the field right now. there is some kind of disconnect i don't know what it is there's been speculations you know all over the place and you know people want to be you know coaches and analysts because their team's losing And, and yeah it's tough it's tough when you know you have a talented team if we sucked it'd be one thing but we made all the right signings all the right moves and these guys are not producing and the ones that you know are hurt we can't do anything about that but when they come back you know, it's like, what are we going to have to do? We're going to do like six, eight, you know, eight game stretch just to try to make the playoffs. I don't even want to have the discussion of playoffs right now. I feel like Jim Moore, playoffs, really? I mean, everybody's like, oh, you know, well, we still got a, a chance. And I'm like, but we've got to improve. And if we're not doing it six weeks in, what makes you think we're going to do it 10 weeks in or, you know, 12 weeks in? Tampa lost last, uh, yesterday. This The NFC, I mean, for the exception of the Eagles who are playing incredible this year, the, the NFC, our division expe- specifically is up for grabs. We could turn this around, but we've got to start making guys accountable and we've, you know, we've got to get healthy and change has got to come. And, I'm, you know, like I said, I sound like a broken record every single week, but you know, coaching, we've got to execute games. We've got to follow. Through. Drew Brees used to say it every week. What did he say? Finish strong, finish strong, got to finish games. Don't let up. Don't give up big plays <laughs> when you know star wide receiver, you know, cover the guy. Like, just, I, I, I don't, I just, I don't know. But I really everything, have the Tina, I Tina,
2: everything, <laughs> everything, but but this is what happens with bad teams, right? So you have a lead, you get conservative, you fail to pick up at least one first down, okay, uh, with that that, that last, uh, the, the next to last possession, your offensive line gets blown up incomplete pass stops the clock then you have to depend on your punter to punt the ball away and he absolutely shanks it and then the very next play your defense doesn't tackle and gives up a 60 yard touchdown great teams don't allow that to happen good teams rarely let that happen bad teams let that kind of stuff happen and snowball on them i I, I, the, the, the the saints right now are a bad team
10: they are bad teams do bad things and and this team is not playing well at all and i'm gonna tell you this you start frustrating players. They know you don't make adjustments. You know, the guys that are out there doing their thing every week, this you'll leave, you'll lose the team. We had this happen in the past. You know, you start, you just don't be sloppy, start making adjustments. Again, I said it with you a couple weeks ago, start benching guys. If they're not playing in, you know, the way they should be playing. I think it was, uh, who was it? I don't remember. Ian Rappaport before the game was talking about quarterback controversy because, of course, you know, they got to have drama. Before the game start, you know, Andy's been playing well. What's going to happen when you're Jameis, you bring him back. Yesterday, Andy didn't have a good game. I mean, Jameis Winston is our starter. He's just dealing with three injuries right now. And I don't want to see him back on that field until he's 100%. Because then we lose him for the season if we do. He's going to get hurt again. It's inevitable. He's got too much going on. So let him rest. But well, they're going to have Jason to go Hill on that last series.
2: But Tina, on they're, that last series. they're going. Well, once again, you're not putting him in the game. You're not putting you're not utilizing your playmakers. They're going to have to go seven and four to get to nine wins. All right. So that's what they're going to have to do. And it's going to have to start Thursday real quick. DeAndre Hopkins is going to be back for the Cardinals. It's a quick turnaround. But let's be honest, the Cardinals have looked absolutely awful as well. Kyler Murray uh, Murray is struggling. I know it's a quick turnaround for the Saints, but it's also for the Cardinals who lost yesterday too to the Seahawks. What kind of chance do you give the Saints to be able to go on the road and beat Arizona?
10: It's going to be tough. It's going to be really tough. And they don't expect us to have Lattimore Thomas or Landry back for that game. So I really don't know. I mean, we should have never lost to the Panthers. And we did. So we're having this conversation about a Cardinals team that doesn't look that great. I mean, again, you know, if you if you want me to have confidence in this team, then you need to play to your ability on the field. So we'll just see what happens Thursday night.
2: Tina, tell the pokes where they can follow you on social media and where they can go to get all your great content.
10: And they can follow me at the Enola Girl. They can listen to my podcast at Floors Trilly Pod and catch all our same content at Canal Street Chronicles.
2: Tina, appreciate your time. As always, girl, enjoy the game this week. Hopefully it'll be a win.
10: Yeah. Yes, indeed. Thanks.
2: That's Tina Howell from Canal Street Chronicles joining us there for the Big Easy Blitz. we got to take a timeout. When we return, we'll wrap up our number three, wrap up the show. That's all coming up next right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. <laughs> got great stuff coming up great events coming up like the sweet dough pie festival it's coming back and serving up a slice of history and deliciousness every year pastry chefs and home cooks vie to be crowned the best in the sweet dough pie contest where the public that's right you are the judge And, of course, there's going to be a large variety of pies available for purchase. The Sweet Dough Pie Festival returns on Saturday, October 29th from 9 to 3 p.m. at Grand Coteau Town Park in Grand Coteau. For more information, make sure to call 337-331-6352 or visit the town of Grand Coteau's Facebook page. I want to take a moment here to thank our guests for helping us kick off this work week. Jeff Palermo from Tiger Rag Radio, Hunter Bauer from gopreps.com, And Tina Howell from Canal Street Chronicles. Our final results of our poll question of the day. What was the biggest reason the Bengals defeated the New Orleans Saints? 44% of you say all of the above, which includes settling for field goals, the hideous tackling, and mediocre quarterback play. 36% of you say the tackling. 18% say settling for field goals. And 2% say the quarterback play. Plenty of comments. Plenty of really good comments. Oh, who that forever also says, oh, and by the way, letting Trey Hendrickson walk in favor of Marcus Davenport was a franchise killing decision. I can live with letting Marcus Williams walk and even trading CD deuce, but not res- resigning a guy who had 13 sacks a year written all over him as a fireball offense. Scott Viotor says you forgot missing at least five starters. Yeah, but that's not an excuse, Scott. You still had the game. You had them on the ropes, and you let them off. And last time I checked, those guys on the defense, like Tyron, Matthew, and Roby, those guys are starters. Can't be. Can't be an excuse. Sorry. No leadership from the head coach and terrible personnel decisions are the main reason at this point. Both safeties are just collecting a paycheck. Jeff Mulrose says, did the Honey Badger see a shadow and take the season off? Non-existent, as is our secondary tackling and second, secondary defense as a whole. Yeah, I know Lattimore. I get it. I understand. But you got to be better. You got to be better. It's unbelievable how bad they are. And no sense of urgency. Darren says, Dalton, not the best, best thing. But what about them Jets? Let's talk about something positive. The two New York teams are two of the best teams in the NFL. What? Who had that? Who thought that was going to happen? Man, the NFL. It can be a crazy place year after year. The Jets and the Giants are actually good football teams at the same time. What? What? What's going on? What's going on is that that's going to do it for today's show. For the producer extraordinaire who valiantly is here after her team was swept by the Houston Astros she's a professional i'm raymond parts the third not as professional better known as raymond parts the third rp3 that's going to do it for us we'll do it all again tomorrow six to nine but until then be safe out there be kind to one another kevin foot in footnotes is up next right here on the game southwest louisiana sports station